Welcome to the Amateur Football YouTube channel, The Starting Eleven Show. Tabriz here, your host, a special guest, Damien Scano. But uh, before Damien comes on, just want to talk about and go through the results from Division 1 and Division 2 of the Southern Vets Football League. So let's start with Leonie Stars, nil, Johnson and Phillips, three, Metro Gas, one, Sporting Santos, four. And this is what the table looks like right now. Independent first, um, LSU Masters second, Sporting Santos third, Charcoal fourth, Leonie Stars fifth, New Park sixth, Glebe seventh, Mitchell Gas eighth, and Johnston and Phillips ninth. And these are the fixtures for uh, next week. Um, uh, um, Ellsford men versus Glebe, Johnson and Phillips versus Sporting Santos, Leonis Stars versus. Okay, so I don't. I'm not too sure if Glebe are playing the cup or the league. It's probably going to be the club cup because she. Um, that that's the biggest priority. So I'm going to guess in Glebe will, will actually play in the cup. Uh, New Park versus uh, Sporting Club Thames Mead, Charcoal versus Metro Gas. And this is Division 2. Um, not too sure why that cup game is, because none of those teams are in our division. Um, the Legends beat Parkwood Rangers 6-4. Seagas lost to Hollington 3-4. Wallenham 3. Bow Street Runners 0 And these are the fixtures for the following week. London South versus uh, Albanian Vets. Catford, Catford versus Wallenham. Norwood Lakers versus Hollington. And Seagas versus Hearn Bay. And let me see if I can get the, get the table up. Hollington first, Catford second, Wallenham third, Seagas fourth, Kouya fifth, Bow Street Runners sixth, London South seventh, Parkwood Rangers eighth, and Cray ninth. So let's go straight into uh, a very, very special guest. Um, I don't want to talk too much. Um, again, um, has an amazing story. And um, and if you've been living under a rock for the past couple of years, and if you're not on Instagram or literally any of the major social media channels, um, he he has an amazing um, brand called Superdad. Enough about me. Let me get Damien Scannell onto the show. How you doing, sir? I'm good, Debris. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you loud and clear. Loud and clear. <laughs> Apologies for being in the car to breeze. The kids are going to bed, so I had to get out of the way. Yeah, not a problem. <laughs> not a problem. Um, so the first question I, I would like like to ask you is, why should the audience, especially men, tune in right now and uh, listen to your story and and like also the message that you have committed your life to? Um. 
to be honest, I think I'm like very relatable to a lot of the people that you would be like in in contact with Tabriz. You know, like uh, my footballing background, being a father, you know, like uh, coming from South London. So I think I connect with a lot of people, you know, maybe, maybe, yeah, especially the larger audience. I definitely think Tabriz. So I think when people hear me talk, can you hear me, Tabriz? Yeah, 100%. I think when, I think when people hear me or hear my story, they'll be able to relate with me at a level, uh, uh, a level, like an understandable level, you know? Um, one of your lowest points um, was actually seeing your dad um, going going like through the symptoms of a attempted suicide. Um, yeah. Could could you talk us through um, that the series of of like events that literally um, led you to actually seeing seeing your father in uh, that state you, you know uh so Tabriz, i um i grew up with my dad right when i was young i was with my mom and then my dad uh took me and my two brothers on right and my dad was always an alcoholic but in the early stages um of us moving in with him he um he he reduced that kind of like alcohol intake i think because we was young and he managed it well and then as i got older it, it came back on and he, and he got he started drinking heavily and at the time I was actually playing for South End Tabriz you know I was playing for South End and I'll, I'll never forget it um we go back and forth a lot me and my dad right because it was like a clash of personalities um like I was quite like an angry like young man and he was like kind of a stubborn old man right and then um I felt like somewhat disgruntled that he wasn't really celebrating my success you know like I was like I'm playing football now, dad, man. You don't have to drink no more, yeah? Not to say I was earning money like that. Um, and then I remember we had, like, a little argument, like, a little episode. And then, like, a, a, about half an hour later, I was like, I heard some noises, some fudding coming from his room. I went into his room, and he was healed over on hands and knees. And he was, like, a dark yellow. You know, like, a, like you know, like, jaundice kind of, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, and it, there was a little note beside him, and he, he'd um, attempted to take his life. You know, he, I think at the time he was on, like, some heavy kind of like um painkillers i couldn't remember the name you know yeah well it struck oh man i was in bits to breathe you know like obviously contacting the, the hospital and, 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 and like reading the note man i was in bits yeah so in brief that's how it was but it was like a long line of stuff you know his alcohol abuse me and him going back and forth you know loads of stuff how how like was your childhood um growing up with your um dad and uh you you like briefly spoke about your mum and, and of course with your brothers as well uh, how how like was the dynamic in the house uh to be honest to Bruce you know like I didn't know no better at the time I definitely knew that my house was a little bit different to my friends you know like my dad was like quite lenient with a lot of things and um it probably it was probably one of the reasons that I managed to like because I never I wasn't at an academy but I could spend a lot of time outside my house you know and, and that, that I was playing football um that allowed me to play football sorry and um it was just me and my two brothers we had a really strong relationship me and my two brothers Sean and Thomas and um other than that it was like us against the world but I I won't sit here and say that I thought that I was like underprivileged at the time I look back and I was like wow wow like we went through it but at the time you know I was just like a little rebel getting out of the house and doing what I could do does that make sense to Bruce yeah 100% 
100 and and um and like who discovered like your like talent for like football yeah i'd actually love to hear that story yeah this is crazy to be so um we um at the time yeah you, you wouldn't believe this at the time i was on a court case so what happened is there was an incident near my house where there was a robbery um and me and my eldest brother who's probably watching this year we at the when the robbery was happening we came out of a car and we like kind of saw it not we didn't oversee it but we watched it like we watched it play out so anyway a couple of days later police came to our house arrested me and my brother and they um, charged us with robbery right and at the time i was playing for a sunday team called um, down and tavern right and um it's like a team uh, out in elton we was playing for an elton a guy named johnny bryant got us there so anyway as this court case is going on and it looked like we we're gonna be in the shit right um I played a couple games for this down in Tavern in pre-season. We played against Maidstone, just coincidentally, like Maidstone B at the time or something. And I scored two unbelievable goals. Uh, and the next day, my phone rang. Some guy named Sammy phoned me. Yeah, a lot. I don't know. Again, a lot of people watching this would have um, would, would know this guy. He was like a Turkish guy who had a lot of money. He was like pumping it around in non-league at the time. And from there, man, he just like took a liking to me and he looked after me, took me to Greenwich Borough with him, started paying me money. I never heard of him pay, uh, being paid at the time. Then took me to Fisher. But fortunately, he also managed to put some letters together for me during this court case, which really supported my case, right? Then I started working for him. That kind of went crazy. It came out that he was a bit of a gangster. <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard of that situation. Like it, it, it kind of went a bit sour there. I ended up at Eastleigh and within six months of signing for a team called Eastleigh, which was driving a long way from Croydon all the way down to there, which is about hour and 45, I was tearing it apart to Brees. I was tearing it apart yeah. and um, ended up in uh, like three or four teams on me. I ended up at Southend United. Wow. Wow. And so, I mean, that, that must have been a, like a whirlwind for you. And literally how, and literally how like was it at home and... Uh, you know, and your brothers and your, you know, and your peers, like how, how like was those, those like years kind of going from, yeah. from like Sunday league to play for South. Yeah. So I don't want to seem ungrateful yet. There was definitely like, there was definitely an element of fortune to it, you know, and and I, and I wouldn't say I wasn't good enough yet, but I, I definitely didn't try as hard as, as certain people that I knew that was really passionate about making it as a pro. Right, I feel as though a lot of things fell into place at the right time, right? And um, I think I had some assets as a footballer. But yeah, it was like a whirlwind. I went from, I didn't plan on like becoming a pro. I went from like playing for Downham Tavern with a court case to like playing for South End in the space of like four four years, you know, with no real direction. Um, and and I put a lot. I give a lot of credit to when I went to Fisher. There was a lot of um. They're, again, they're probably watching it. The Piper brothers at Fisher, you know, uh, Hamid Bar, Anthony Riviere, Steve Watts. Like these boys were really like high quality non-league players. You know, you know that could possibly have made a career if they didn't. They were a bit mercenary ish. You know, they sacrificed. They wanted money. Um, them boys gave me like a lot, a very strong foundation in terms of like the technical aspect of football. And. And actually, actually, while while you were in the uh, football community, um, how how like was it at school and college? I mean, um, where where like were you regarding like your peers no. and yeah? 
I'm not really like I was I was struggling in school like at that time and I was like a is that the question you're asking how was my yes. academic side yeah, yeah. no I was so, so that whole period of like school to like college and stuff like that I was I was not interested and to be honest if, if I'm being honest man like that court case was probably a, a awakening because I, I I was looking like going that route anyway you know that I actually had another court case at the time again with my brother if he's watching this for uh, GBH we had like a little fight you know and um, yeah so like I just said as I said man um, academically at the time I was not interested man I was not interested Talking about your footballing career, how how would you sum that up in in like one word? And uh, and and actually, why would you choose the word that you picked? I would say I'm gonna go three. It's one word. It's like a one one. Um, uh, it's three words, yeah. But I hope you take it as one. Up and down. And the reason why I would say that is because yeah, like it was like it was always like an emotional kind of like emotional slash there was no consistency to it you know it wasn't like even when I became a pro I felt as though like at any moment I could go back into non-league you know and then there was a period when there was interest in me itself and I could have gone up again you know like there was no real consistency to it and I felt as though that kind of like fortune of me having these really strong assets wore off you know like I didn't really have a plan in place but I loved it though I loved it I'm not saying it you know in a negative way I loved the, the journey I went on, it's just that I didn't really have a strong plan, you know. And um, what's that been your career highlight as a, a professional? And also, what's the worst piece of advice a coach, a manager has said to you playing, playing professionally? Oh, good question. So I would say my career highlight would be, I liked playing at Ellen Road. I think playing at Ellen Road, or, yeah, playing at Ellen Road because I think I would factor in Tory Andre Flo was on the bench that day. Um, Fabian Delph was in the starting uh, lineup for them. There was a guy named Lee Trundle at the time. He was a fantastic footballer. Uh, they had some real high quality players, you know. If, if to maybe match that, that was St. Mary's, they had Jose Fonte, Ricky Lambert, Oakley Chamberlain, Adam Lalana. So probably one of the two, you know. Um, the worst piece of advice I've got my, my experience at Dagenham and Redbridge was not the greatest once, once I left South and I went to Dagenham and Redbridge and um, I would I would say a large part of that was not bad advice just not advice for me you know it was like very like robotic style football and um, there was a manager named John still there he was like and he was very very like ancient you know and um, I was an expressive person like I'm like uh I like to play like spontaneously off the cuff, you know, when I get the ball and I like to like, not freestyle, but you you know what I'm saying? Like to like to express myself and no, no, no. He would like get the ball, cross it, you know, entries into the box. Do not throw the ball inside, throw the ball down the line. So that whole, that whole episode at Dagnum was a bit of a, I, w- I would put under that category of worse advice, you know. Okay. What's the one piece of advice you could uh, give anyone that's, that's looking to get into the professional game as a player? Uh, be different. I feel as though the I feel as though a lot of players now are kind of like falling into not just now in general, falling into this like stereotypical mold as a footballer. Like, you know, like like tick tick all the basic bo- boxes, you know. 
uh, I feel as though if you're gonna have some tools, make them make them shine out. I don't know whether it's ball carrying, passing, whatever it is. Just make sure that you are like exceptional. Yeah, rather than just ticking a lot of like grey boxes. I think that's why the difference between non-league and the league. I think in non-league, a lot of boys who think they're good, right, just tick a lot of boxes at an average level. And at a, the pro, in the pro game, they may do that, but they'll also have one or two boxes that are exceptional. You know, and then obviously you go up further and then Premier League and Champ, you've got a lot of boys ticking exceptional, you know. So I think if you really want to make yourself stand out, like make sure you have an exceptional out, like part of your game, whether it be crossing, shooting, passing, whatever it may be, fitness. Yeah. Um, on your uh, uh, social media, um, Instagram, um, you are you are very open and honest with um, with your life. And um, one thing that kind of struck a chord with me is that um, you kind of called yourself a coward in in like one of your posts. Um, could you elaborate to the audience um, what you meant by that? Uh, so you know, it's like I, I get coached myself. You know, I have a coach. His name's Dominic. Uh, Dominic London, right? He's a he's a fantastic guy here. Yeah. So when um during this period of being coached, man, like we we spoke about my goals, we spoke about a lot of things I want to achieve, why I'm not achieving them, and then when we kind of got down to the nitty gritty of it, yeah. And listen, this probably stands. This doesn't just stand for me. This stands for a lot of us, right? A lot of the times, why we're not achieving things or we're not doing things that we want to do, right, is because we have we don't have the courage to act, or we don't have the courage to change. We don't have the courage to say no. And, and we dress it up, like, I'll give you some examples, right? So even let's, let's reference the football career, right? There was times when I should have really knuckled down and got my head down, right? And I knew that, but I wouldn't have the courage to say no to my, my friends who I grew up with who wanted me to also be the person who would want to go and drink and stuff like that. And look, that's fun. That was fun, right? But I just didn't have the courage to say, listen, boys, not right now. Six months. If I really go hard for six months, I could change my family's life for the rest of my life, you know? And um, and it and the reason why I use the word coward yeah, is because I, the infamous, I knew what I needed to do. I just didn't want to act on it. All right. And um, yeah. So so yeah. I don't, and, and I don't mean that lightly. I, yeah. And, and even to this day, man, a lot of the things that I I want to achieve, I know it requires more than anything me being a braver version of myself. Does that make sense, to Bruce? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. What's the biggest character flaw that you see in men, I say over 30, over over 35, that you that you come across? The inability to change and the arcs of help, right? So I, I think it's, it's one of the reasons why like, I kind of like took a step back from vets football as well, you know? And, and, and I took a step back from a lot of things, even why I built, I, I built, decided to build my own business and not like go into like the corporate world and do things the other ways because I wanted to change, you know, to reason a lot of people, they hit a certain age and they think, I know what the world's like. I'm just going to be this person. Yeah. And I think men, I think we're, we're, we're particularly ignorant and stubborn and we double down on that. I'm like, listen, I know what the world's like. I'm just going to be this version of Tabriz for the rest of my life. Right. Um, and, and the person who we was in our twenties and our teens and our early thirties, we can't continue to be that person. Like you can't continue well, I'll reference just the alcohol and stuff. You can't continue to live the Peter Pan lifestyle into your forties. You know, you can't you can't um continue to 
spend mon- money frivolously if you've got kids you know that you need you're going to need savings you're going to need things you're going to have to buy things for your kids you know and um that's what i think i think men hit a point and they're like listen i'm going to do this i'm going to have this job for the rest of my life and i'm going to do this and i think also that couples with the mental health side to it i think we lose purpose and we start to like we we like oh my god man i'm what i'm doing is working you know that kind of stuff so i think that the the inability to change is probably one of the main character flaws I see in this generation of men. And um, what's your kind of character flaw and literally how how have you turned that into a positive in your life? Yeah, so I advise, yeah, all men, all, all men, everybody, but I would really drive, like men, obviously, I work a lot with men. I think all men should have somebody as a form of accountability and someone to help pick their brain so I have a coach right so I, I think my main character flaw could be possibly that I've struggled to ask for help a lot you know I struggle for ask for help and I kind of um, dressed up with like by pretending that things are okay you know and um, learning to ask for help and not, and not just like wait until everything goes wrong to ask for help but just to like reach out to somebody and say Tabrice you know what? I'm having a bit of problems with my partner at the moment you know and I was struggling to communicate how about you yourself and you might you might say listen i'm not really struggling right now but guess what we went through you know like that and i feel as though the only times i ever really asked for help was when i hit rock bottom before and um i think sometimes that can be a little bit too late and then you have to make drastic steps rather than just being like nice and vulnerable and open in in everyday conversation and that takes bravery (laughs) it does um big um big um shout out to like ben Demo is undoubtedly a top player. After he joined my club, LSU, I realized what a great person he is for all, the hard work that he does behind the scenes for people and has supported a lot of our thank lads. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> and uh, John Jones John comes in and uh, says, great, great guy. Um, oh, thank you. I'm going to be thank a little you. bit selfish now, so... Um, without going into crazy amounts of detail, um, um, I, I was actually one of one of your clients. W- what what would you say my my weakness was, and what was my strength? And be open and honest. Oh, well, that, first and foremost, I respect you for asking this question, and thank you, Mr. Jones and Cass. Thank you very much for the messages. Yeah. I respect you for answering this question. This is something that another character for that I see in myself and loads of people, the inability to ask for feedback, right? I would say to Brees that your inability to manage your time, your your inability to manage your time was a big flaw. So like a common theme that I see in in a lot of us us men's lives is we confuse being busy and being productive. And and, and we forget forget that the latter is the only important one. Being being busy is something that's sold to us and, and eats up time of our family, our health, our loved ones, and and results, right? And we don't look at what um, we don't we don't become productive. So and and I found that with you, to, uh, I know you've got a lot going on to breathe, right? But having a deep breath sometimes and saying, "Hold on, I'm doing a fucking lot." Sorry, am I allowed to swear? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I'm doing a fucking lot of my life, man. A lot's going on. Why am I so busy? Yeah. 
but my the results yeah don't really reflect that and 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 I don't want to ever like dig deep too deep into people's results because I don't want people to say but look man I own my house and I've got a nice car yeah I just mean if you're not if you're not becoming the person who you want to be yeah then the results aren't working right that's what I mean right so I'm saying that sometimes you've got to take a deep breath and you've got to say okay I want to be healthy I'm going on a journey with Damien how many hours per day can I give up? Or how many minutes per day can I give up? And they are non-negotiable because my health is what's going to make me become a better father, a better partner, better at work. And just taking control of your life. And, and that is ultimately how we like we achieve them kind of health results, by taking control of our life. Does that make sense, Tabriz? 100%. 100%. Yeah. And um, what was my, my kind of uh, positive... Oh, yeah, like, what... What was something that you saw in me? We were like, you know what? He's, he's, a, he's a decent guy. He's your resolve. So I, I like your transparency. So everybody, Tabriz is extremely like transparent. Like he like when he couldn't do something, there, would, there wouldn't be a lie. You'd just say he couldn't do it. But also his resolve. So like it's a little bit of a contradiction of the first one. Although he didn't find time, he would then condense everything into like a short period and try and get it done and squeeze it in. But ultimately, for long-term sustainable results, you don't want to do that. When it comes to getting long-term sustainable results in regards to your health, you just have to chunk out parts of your day. You don't want to be squeezing things in. You just want to be saying, 45 minutes of my day for the rest of my life, I'm going to commit to my health because my health improves so many factors in my life. Apart from the birth of your kids, what what has been one of like the best standout emotions in your entire life? And literally putting football aside as well. All right. So I'm going to keep family out of it. I'll make it like about like an achievement. Yeah. So in the summer, man, this brought tears to my eyes, everybody. Yeah. In the summer, right. We done a 50 kilometer walk. And with that, we, I think we hit about 10 K. Right. And um, my whole life, I've always, and, and I still I, I still aspire to do this. I've always wanted to like provide educa- education to underprivileged children. Because I, 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 don't, I don't subscribe to the, um, the idea that people are dumb and people are bad. Yeah, I, I, I believe with the right environment, anybody can be anything, right? So, the, the, so I've always wanted this, had this idea that I want to put on educational sessions for underprivileged children. And we, we managed to do that. We put on a four week um like i think it's not a full day at school it was like five hours we provided math science and english for for children free free from that from that um 50 50k walk and bro i, I actually shed a tear you know it was like something like i always wanted to achieve and and i, and I ticked it off my bucket list but I don't, i'm not going to stop there to be honest i'm not going to stop there and um talking about emotions um and and shedding a tear um when was the last time that you you kind of shed a tear of you know regarding despair anger frustration um i can tell you last time i i'm quite an emotional person but last time i proper had a it was my brother's wedding but it was not over despair my my brother's wedding was um uh i'd done a speech and i just i was just overwhelmed because of how far i'd come but that I think when I retired from football, I bowed like a baby to Bruce. Yeah, I remember. You know what it was, yeah? I just felt fear, fucking fear to Bruce, yeah? Because at the time, Tunbridge Angels gave me £1,700 to retire. £1,700. I had a couple grand in the account. 
I just finished building my studio in Addiscombe, right? I don't know, just say a couple grand, you know, I just had my first child, first child, yeah. And I remember just standing there, yeah, and I'm like going to these guys, I'm like, look, boys, I'm having to retire, yeah. And I just remember thinking, fuck, fuck, all these years I've had this money and I'm just here and I'm just fucking standing in front of these people. I don't even know if this is all going to work out, you know. And my missus, I've been lying to her. She probably thinks I've got fucking all these plans. And, you know, you know, like, I just, it was just everything going on to Reese, you know. I, I can feel, even talking about it, I can feel the emotion I had there, you know. Mm. And then it's it's a, is it like still a raw emotion now? Just like thinking about it? Is it kind of something that you like still think about? Not really. Uh, to, to reason, man, I'm I'm excited now. You know that that shift, man. So the inability to change. So I reference back to that character flaw, right? I was very much that guy. The inability to change. So I thought football was gonna be this. Like I didn't even obviously it comes to an end. But at thirty, I thought I at least got three or four years of earning four hundred quid a week and supplementing that with work. I could make some good money still, right? Yeah, and then um, the inability to change was the fear. Yeah, but now, man, I'm excited to reach because I I see myself as limitless now, right? I, I'm 38 in April, yeah, but I generally see myself as like a 20 year old because I, I, I'm prepared to change now. You know, I get, I have a coach, I have more than one coach, I have a fitness coach, I have my partner, and I just fucking know I can grow. The worst case, the worst scenarios, I know that they're the best opportunities to learn. You, you've like referenced your partner and your coach uh, a few times. How important is it to have? Uh, a strong network with you. Sorry to breathe. My bad. To breathe? Yeah. Can you see me yep, now? I can see you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as I said, I was sitting in the car. Um, so, how important is it to have a strong network? Yes. Yeah, it is. Um, it's, it's everything. So, uh, when I was when in that transitioning period, I think. Welcome the, to Mercedes Benz. Oh my God. We would like to inform you that Mercedes-Benz collects <laughs> sorry, sorry. your personal data. It's uh, sorry, everybody. Um, I, as I said, the light cut out and I pressed the SOS button. Um, so the importance to um, uh, having the right people around you. So to Bruce, man, at the time that things were going wrong and, and I was in that this transitional phase, I was hanging around people that like thought that problem solving was going out for drinks. You know, problem solving was sitting around gossiping about people that are in worse off positions, right? And um, to be honest, even though those are like, can somewhat be like instant stimulants, like, oh, I had a drink, man, I feel all right now, yeah. They always led to me feeling worse, right? So now fast forward six, seven years, yeah, I have people that when there's a problem, if I phone them, they're like, Damien, Look, man, let's change the perspective. How how do we do this? What do you want to do this? Let's get a piece of paper and let's plan here. When I talk about feeling like limitless here, that's because of that. I don't really, I know, listen, man, if I'm, I can't solve cancer and, and, and these kind of like terminal illnesses, but I know the majority of problems I can just look at and say, all right, let's chunk them down, you know, and with the right people around, it's a lot easier. Cool. Um, actually, Damo, could, could you just move your camera a little bit centre? That's there it. we go. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> so um, could you like t- tell me and literally tell like the audience uh, um, how Super Dad was conceived? Um, so yeah, at the time when I finished my, uh, when, the, when the pandemic hit, I had a studio in Croydon. 
when the pandemic hit, what actually happened was um, I was currently transitioning to going online anyway, and I started doing these lives, right? And um, these lives were like high intensity, thirty minutes. I know I don't think you ever done one, Tabriz. You know, you was probably busy. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? Listen, you know, I, I, you know, um, I know that they're kind of hit sessions like 10 15 20 minutes you know you yeah like you go all out yeah so it was like that right and then um i, I have a business mentor wayne dana again he might be watching you know fantastic guy he um he suggested it uh, look man i think you could help the people that you look like and i was like what do you mean by that he said dads you know dads and at the time i was helping a lot of dads but i just never put a name to it you know, and he said, "Go and help them, man. Go and serve, man. You're a, you're a leader. Go, go and go and be that um, go and be that leader for them, man. Like, and 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 do it with your chest out. So I started collecting momentum. You know, I started helping dads, and then it's developed beyond fitness. It developed beyond um, nutrition, and there, that's how it was kind of conceived to Bruce. And and again, you know, I don't want to stereotype or kind of put put men of a certain age in, in in a box but why why do you think men over 30 or over 35 stop taking care of themselves i mean is it yes yeah, is it really a thing i don't know yeah so we, like if you're talking from the physical aspect yeah like it can somewhat be deceiving right so what, what i'm what i'm talking about we've got this like dad bod terminology that i use yeah which is like like protruding stomach, skinny arms, you know, like that, that, that kind of um, look here, yeah, that physique, right? But I think what happens is, right, is we become so career orientated, so money based, yeah, which is not a problem, which is not a problem, right? That kind of, and, and where society is so like rewarding, like, oh, if you have a nice car, you can kind of drop your standards in other areas, right? You can kind of drop your standards in other areas. Oh, you've got a nice house, it's, it's okay, man. Like you, it doesn't matter what you look like, you know. And um, I think I think that's what I'm kind of more aimed at, like keeping personal standards high as opposed to just fighting dad bod. All right, does, does that make sense? What I'm saying, yeah. Tabriz. Like, yeah. So, because when I when I reference purple per, personal standards, I I'm talking about it beyond, like actually personal gains. I'm talking about the benefit of your loved ones, right? So personal standards, the, although you reap the benefits of it, so do your kids, so does your wife. So does your brothers. So does your sisters, and that—that's my worry. That's my worry. The worry, my worry, is the fact that we become so hyper focused on having nice things, we forget to have create these kind of like really strong relationships, and and, and we lead through them. What's your biggest advice to anyone over thirty regarding losing weight and also eating well? Oh, great question. Um, take a step back, right, and look at the data, right? So I, I speak to so many men who don't actually know what they're consuming in terms of, so if we're talking about food, here's a lot of men, but like, I don't eat a lot. I don't drink a lot, yeah. If you took your week, right, and you broke it down, right, especially like if you're in an unhealthy place here, yeah, you would actually probably be surprised at the things that you consume. And also the amount of money you're spending. So um, again, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about alcohol, right? For example, a lot of people say, I don't drink much, right? And then when we say, all right, cool, let me have a look at how much you're drinking. I only drink a couple here, a couple there, a couple there. I'm like, see, that, that, that's the problem. You know, you don't know how much you're consuming. So I think taking a step back 
and looking at the data. How many shops are you stopping every week, every on a weekday, buying shitty snacks? Uh, what about your your liquid intake? Not just alcohol. What about your liquid intake? Are you drinking fizzy drinks? Are they zero calorie? Are you drinking smoothies? And just having a look at the hard data, and then saying, "Oh fuck, it's not what I think it is." Yeah. Um, another thing that um, that I kind of feel very connected to you is is how open and honest you are with your family dynamic with your wife and with your three kids and um there was a post where where you kind of um referred to how how your relationship with your dad how it was and literally you will and uh, literally you would never ever put your kids through through like what your your dad put put you into um how how important is it for you to kind of just just kind of be there as a father, as a husband, uh, as a kind of confidant to your wife and kids. I'm just gonna go back to the post, right? So I hope when everybody's like, or not everybody, when people are seeing my posts here, yeah, them posts are like are from a place of servitude here, yeah, because I don't think first and foremost that we connect enough at that level, especially through social media. Social media is a very show and tell place, right? So like. Look what I'm doing is really nice. And I don't have a problem with that, but I just feel as though it's, I, I feel I want to serve at that level because we don't have enough conversations at that level. So when I'm talking about my dad, yeah, I'm not doing it in a, in a way to say he did, he did everything wrong. I'm just saying that it's my duty to raise the benchmark, right? So that, that, I just want to reference them social media posts. So when I'm being vulnerable, it's, it's from a place where I hope people can connect you know, it's not for, it's not wanting sympathy. It's not necessarily like, yeah, it's just, it's just not want, wanting sympathy. But in, in regards to my dad, I've just had time to reflect and look back and say like, okay, listen, man, there's definitely things that I take from my dad in terms that, that would benefit me. But there's a lot of fucked up shit there. I would never consume alcohol at that level in front of my kids. I would never, my, 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 at, there were times when my dad went away and, left us in a house that I'd never do that. You know, my eldest, my brother looking after me and my younger brother, uh, just the kind of people that my dad had around us, you know, I would never do that. And that's okay, you know, and I'm sure my child will say that about me. You know, and I think that's how we constantly raise the benchmark. And even that, we, I feel as though in society, we don't question our parents enough. Like, it's okay. It's okay. We, we create this kind of super superhero kind of idolization of our parents yet but the truth is they they did fuck up sometimes you know and and it's our duty to address that so we can move forward and why why like do you think men especially black men find it so difficult to be vulnerable and to and to ask for help or uh or advice yeah so i'll just speak it, well, I grew up with a lot of black friends, yeah, like, and just culturally, yeah, like, the word strong, so, like, we use a lot of generalisation, so the word strong is deemed as strong, physical, can have a fight, don't really say nothing emotionless, yeah, but, like, that's just one idea of it, you know, and I think if we start using vulnerable and strong in the same sentence, yeah, it will allow people to come into that space, so, like, I think someone who's fucking strong, who is really honest and transparent and, and can be vulnerable and can say, listen, I've been through shit, you know, but I'm still here, you know, and, and rather than just saying, like, not saying nothing, you know, and, and both could be strong. But does that make sense, Tabrice? I 100%. think that when we use the word vulnerability, it's like 
he's weak, you know. And uh, when we use the word quiet and emotionless, he's strong. Like, what? You know, and it's a very played out thing. It's a very played out thing. Why do you think we're suffering so much with mental health as well? You know? You know, I, I don't know. I'm not saying that's the only reason. I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> and... um what is your ultimate goal for super dad? I don't know if it's something that you like you like to say, but what's what are you aiming for? Like what's the what's the oh my gosh moment? Oh my gosh. So I'm gonna go big man. You lot are gonna laugh at me. Like I de- I genuinely want to change the status quo. Like I genuinely want to kind of like empower men back to the point where like they take leadership in with and fatherhood, like as the priority in their life. You know, when they're decision-making, like, listen, I'm not doing overtime because I haven't spent enough time with my children this week. Listen, I've got to go to the gym because i got to stay in shape because I got to, I want my child to see me in shape. I want these kind of decisions to be made. And I, I don't think, I, I don't think nobody does it in, in a way that they don't like their children. I just think it's part of society now. It's the norm. It's the norm to spend long hours away from your family. It's the norm to like, I read a statistic the other day, I think by 2032, they said 50% of the population, the 50% of the population will be obese. What normal is now low standards, you know? And, and as I said, man, I, would, I want what the community that I'm creating to raise the bar. I want the status quo to change. I want dads to say, no, fuck that, I ain't going to work. I've got, to, I've got to stay with him. I've got, I've got to raise... Does that make sense, Tabriz? 100%. 100%. <laughs> What have I missed that's really important to your message that that we haven't discussed? I, I, I want to touch on something about Vets football. Can I talk about Vets football? Yeah, 100%. So, Vets football. So, I played for Charcoal and LSU, man. Both fantastic clubs, yeah. And I think, from what I think about Vets football, right, is I think it's, I think it's important that Vets football, we don't miss a trick. I think it's about winning. I think Vets football is about winning, right? And I think... I think any sport you play, winning is a big part of it. But I think Vets football, I think it's about, again, leadership. I think it's about setting the tone. I think it's about ensuring that what we're doing as Vets as, or when we're out there is the benchmark for even Premier League players, you know, because young Premier League players are going to be seeing us on the sides. You know, like that somebody's son's going to be eventually become a Premier League player and what we do on the pitch is going to be a representation of what potentially they could do later on in their life how we talk to each other you know so when I when I when I enter that space of Vets football man I think as much as winning is always man I'm, I, I love to compete yeah I just want to say like Vets football I don't want it to get to this point where it becomes like this social media gimmicky kind of like low standards and, and I think we should use social media I just think we need we need to be the benchmark you know the same as what I was talking about before Damien Scano uh, thank you thank you so much for like coming on <laughs> and actually talking about your journey um, um, and um, I just wish you the most the most success I can I can kind of um, openly say there was a moment when you were training me, I sat down and, and and then I was on the phone to you and then I started crying. I started crying, crying, and I couldn't stop. And like you was like, you know what? Just let it out. Just just like let it out, man. It's cool. And um, and yeah, you know what? Um, I still do 
some of the exercises. I don't do them every day. I, I, will, I will, I will, I will, I will say that one hundred percent. But um, but the kind of support, and it's kind of more so the the kind of mental change and the kind of mindset um, that that you instilled in me. Honestly, like I still. Like I still yeah. use it. It's like, okay, well, if I've like, you know, got to go for a an hour walk, I'm gonna go for an hour walk. If I've like, you know, got to do press ups and sit ups because literally I can't get to the gym, I'll do press ups and sit ups. Um, so honestly, Damien, thank you, thank you so much. Tabriz, can I just shout you out? I just want to say, Tabriz is doing so much, and I've, I've I want to go back to standards, man. Tabriz is putting in a lot of his own time, man, and he 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 is the benchmark for. Um, the vets football and what he's sharing and and man he's uh, listen I I wouldn't even be able to keep up with shit if it wasn't for Tabriz you know so I think everyone's got uh, whoever's watching man I want everyone to give Tabriz a little clap and make sure we always share his shit all right thank you man thank you thank you so much listen Tabriz so um I just want to kind of um thank um Damien for like coming on um and again uh please like and subscribe we will be back next week same time eight o'clock um, watch out for some new like content as well happening during during the week just to let you know um i'm in partnership with well in town so you've seen uh, a lot of stuff from from the uh, well in town players men and ladies um tickets uh, discount tickets etc as well, just to let you know that um, I'm literally also a collaborator with the SFL, the Sunday Football League. Uh, that's the new league that kind of um, that's like happened this season with the SE Dons, with Grand, with Saha, with Pure Performer. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of literally part of that as well. Also, if you kind of want to hear original audio content, um, I have a podcast on uh, Selk, Grass, Selk Grassroots, but amateur footballer. You can, again, listen to it on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. These are podcasts that are, these are conversations that you won't hear anywhere else. Um, these are my own thoughts. And I literally talk about everything. I literally talk about um, racism, vets, vets football, um, my likes and dislikes. It's, you know, it's very rare that you will hear a um uh repeated conversation so if you kind of like to listen to anything audio based from myself please go onto the Sulk platform and just type in the amateur footballer thank you thank you so um so much again i will like see you guys next week sunday um again um just um I yeah, I just uh, appreciate everyone, everyone that's kind of tuning in and and, and just offering offering their like support and and feedback. I'll see you guys next week.